Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Career Move Secrets and today's guest is Travis Wright. Uh, Travis is an ex-army helicopter pilot and has been a commercial airline pilot uh, but today he's an author and director of growth at Three Gumballs. Um, hi, hi Travis, how are you? I'm well Tony, how are you? I'm, I'm not too bad, how's, how's life? Whereabouts, whereabouts do we find you today? So I'm just outside of DC, about 20 miles outside of DC and oh. uh, in, in southern Maryland is where I live. Very nice. How's life there? Is it? Uh, are you locked down? What's 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 occurring in uh, Maryland? Yeah, so we are uh, still on the lockdown. It's starting to open up a little bit with all the uh, the the COVID stuff going on. Our numbers are staying pretty good, actually. Um, it's not not too terrible. Um, but then uh, all the other activities in DC, you know, all the things that go on there with the, the Black Lives Matters movements and all sorts of things, kind of. And I don't see that where I live, but, you know, that does prevent me from going into D.C. a lot of times. But that's sort of uh, slowed down a little bit now as well. So um, it's always an exciting time around the D.C. area. There's always something going on. I bet. Yeah, I've not been actually. It's one of the places I've not been to. But I think we're all doing the same thing, aren't we? We, 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 People that live on the edge of big cities. And I I live in a relatively big city, but on the edge. You know, we're we're staying in our little local areas Mm -hmm. rather than going into the big heaving mass because we're worried about COVID and, you know, infections and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, it's a a similar story everywhere. Uh, Talking of stories, um, Mm -hmm. I obviously have done my research on you and I found it very fascinating, but um, my my listeners will not know your career story could you could you give us the uh, the condensed version absolutely yeah i'll just give you some of the highlights so mm. i was actually very fortunate when i was a kid i knew that i wanted to be a, a pilot and i kind of geared my whole high school career through that i started flying you know taking lessons at a very young age and i was fortunate enough to uh, be accepted into the army's flight school i graduated when i was 19 and had a great career flew all the aircraft i wanted to fly um, and everything. And then at about 10 years into my career, I was like, all right, well, I've done everything, you know, which is great, uh, you know, not to be, uh, you know, uh, sour grapes about it, but I thought this is great, but do I want to continue doing this? Is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? I said, well, let me, let me try something else, another challenge. And so I made the move to, uh, to the airline industry and I was an airline pilot for, for a few years. First year airline pilots, I assume this is the same in England, but first year airline pilots, I made uh, very little money. I made about $17,000 my first year and uh, I was gone all the time and that sort of thing. So I joined the National Guard as a part-time uh, soldier uh, flying helicopters. So I was doing both at the same time. 
then I had a family and, and one thing leads to another. I'm like, all right, I got to get out of this flying business. I'm, I'm never home. And uh, so I, I went back full time into the military as a staff officer. And that's when I moved here to D.C. and had a great career as a staff officer, program manager and leading some programs, doing strategy and those sorts of things. Ended up, uh, my last assignment was actually at the White House uh, as part of the, the Drug Policy Office, and uh, which was fantastic. You know, it was great times about that. We can talk more about that. Then I left the military. I said, all right, it's time for me to transition out and um, become a management consultant. And that's what I did for about the past five years. And then about a year ago, I joined Three Gimbals. And so um, it's a small, we're just out of the startup phase, technically, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. about five years old and working in open source intelligence. And it's really great, uh, great fun. And to kind of build this company with some really smart people, I'm having having a blast at it. Excellent. And there's a few, I mean, there's a few obvious transitions in there. And I've, <laughs> I've dealt with, you know, in the UK with, with a, a number of ex-military people, always, always seem very, very capable guys, which is a huge transition, isn't it? Out of the world of, of, you know, the, the military into the commercial environment. How, how did you found that? So uh, so I have two stories about that. One where it was relatively seamless and then one where it was, eh, it wasn't so seamless. It was a little bit more challenging. And and really the first one was when I transitioned out of the army the first time. Uh, it, but I stayed in the same industry. It was still aviation. Yes, it was going from helicopters to airplanes and, and that sort of thing. But it was still flying. It was still a lot of the lingo is the same. And when I started making my plan to leave, I understood like, there's only certain airlines that are going to take the type of hours that I have. There's only certain airlines that are hiring. Um, there's only certain airlines, period, right? Um, sort of thing. So it really kind of narrowed down my choices. And I knew what I, you know, I needed to have a resume, my logbooks, that sort of thing. And it was very um, factual. It's like a dozen things I needed to check off. And it was relatively painless and easy. It was really, then all I had to focus on was, you know, the interview, getting the job, that sort of thing. Um, and I was able to get with a really great airline and, and it was the, the, my top choice and that sort of thing. When I transitioned from the military, I thought it was going to be easy because I sort of had that experience like, ah, I've done this before. I can kind of make it happen again. It won't be that bad. Um, and my last uh, job, you know, I, I wasn't wearing a uniform for the last year or two of my, of my job I was, because I was working in the White House. So I was wearing a suit. So I I felt comfortable in a suit. You know, I was talking to all these uh, very uh, interesting and powerful and connected people. And I felt comfortable around them and that sort of thing. The difference between the two, though, was that in, in the first case, I, I knew what I wanted to be, right? I, I want to be an airline pilot, you know, and I know what that track looks like. Second portion, I was like, well, I'm not sure exactly what I want to do. I want to be a consultant. And that can be anything, right? There's, you know, for any type of industry, there's a consultant in that industry. So I wasn't sure what I would focus on financial, that I want to focus on people. You know, I, I didn't really have a, a good focus. I knew there a couple of things I didn't want to do. I was kind of done with the military. I wanted to try something else. I really didn't want to do aviation again. And I really didn't want to do, I was in the narcotics field. So I really didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted a, a new challenge. Well, that opens up so many things that it becomes overwhelming on all the possibilities that are out there. So I didn't have a good uh, intention or a good plan on what I wanted to do going forward. Um, And when I, uh, so I struggled coming through that. I took a job that was available. It wasn't great. It wasn't a good fit. I didn't stay there for very long. As soon as I got in there, I was like, this is not for me. I need to find something else. And um, through uh, networking and through some mentors, I was able to find a job that was a good fit for me. Uh, and, And it stretched me. It was a good balance of it was a good fit and it stretched me in places that, that I needed to be stretched. So 
Yeah, see, I'm really, I'm very fascinated with that because I, I think this is something that that most people go through when they when they make a transition or even just move job. If you don't have um, a solid direction that you're heading in, then you know the possibilities are endless, and therefore your ability to be proactive is is diminished. You know, you can't you can't set a course if you like if you don't know where you're heading. And I, I do a lot of work with people on that because it, it's it's so important to set out your uh, objective um, when you're in a job search, because if you don't, you've got no chance of actually getting there. It, it, once you set your objective, that determines what your personal value proposition is going to be, how you're going to develop your CV, who you're going to target, where you're going to network. All of those things come from that. So you need to do a real, you know, you need to do the research and the thinking at the front end. Um, and I find very few people do that effectively. Um, I'm sure it was pretty easy with the, uh, the aviation one's perfect, isn't it? Because yeah. this is the sort of thinking I do with, with candidates is look, you know, if that's where you're heading, we know what our target market is. We actually know who the constituents are. We can do the research so that we can determine, you know, which is the best company for you. Then we can, then we can really uh, work out who's the right person to talk to in that business. It's, it's, it's absolutely perfect linear uh, stuff. Um, so I understand that that would have worked very well, but when you come out and you're saying, right, I'm now going into something entirely new, yeah. um, and I don't know what that is, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people are in that position now, it is, it's frightening, isn't it? How, how did you cope with that? It is frightening. You're absolutely right about that. Um, it was, it was tough, you know, at my, my family, right. So I want to take care of them and, you know, yeah. uh, that weighing on me, but, but then being very supportive of me, it's like, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll work through this and that sort of thing. That was helpful. Having, uh, because of the time I spent here in the DC area, I had this very wide and, and diverse and still have wide and diverse uh, network of people that I could talk to and bounce things off of. And that's the only thing that, that got me through. It's like, Hey, look, and I'm sure a lot of people are feeling this now, right? It's, uh, you know, because of the the pandemic and you know either being downsized or uh, or having to change industries and that sort of thing. Someone told me she's like, look, don't take this. It's not personal, right? It's not an affront to to you. It's not saying that you know you're a you're a bad person because I think a lot of times we we identify with our jobs a lot. Um, you know, I am a pilot. You know, I am you know whatever this is, and it's so tied into our identity um, that when you're not that thing anymore, then it's like, oh, well, then who am I? And you kind of struggle with some of that. So I think having a a strong um, group around you. I advise people when I'm uh, talking to them about their transitions, I talk with a lot of um, military people who are transitioning and you're right. You know, you mentioned that earlier. It is a tough transition to go through from leading, you know, 15,000 you know, mm. people in multiple countries and that sort of thing. And now I'm trying to find a job, you know, and how do I translate that? There's not anything that really exists in the civilian market like that. You can't just walk in and be a COO at a you know yep. medium-sized company. It doesn't work that way mm -hmm. um, if you don't have the industry experience. So helping them to to, to go through a lot of those um, those challenges is figuring out to what you were saying before. I think you're spot on. Is that um, when I talk to them, I'll ask, you know, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, I can do anything. You're right. You probably can do anything, but we got to we got to narrow that down that's, a little it's a, bit. It's a military attitude, isn't it? That's I can right, do anything. Right. Yeah, yeah, which which that's is right. which is what you need in the military. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you absolutely can. So what I will guide them through is like, all right, well, let's talk about a job. Like, when was the job you felt like you're doing the most? That um, you had the team that was really, you know firing on all cylinders, you got the most done. And, and what was that like? What were you doing? That sort of thing. Let's find those qualities. And then do the, the same thing on the reverse. It's like, all right, when were you unhappy? And what was that? Was that because of a bad boss, the type of work, that sort of thing? All right, now let's neck that down. What are the things that were 
that you like at a is it a small company because you had a tight team and it was because of the purpose that you were working towards and that sort of thing. And then that that's I find that to be very helpful, especially when people are, are changing industries. So I mm. uh, met with a, a senior leader who was transitioning, and what we found out is, you know, he really didn't care about the whatever the job or the industry was. He really didn't care. It was really about to um, more about. Um, you know, having a livelihood, what he really was passionate about was being a high school football coach. Mm. So it's figuring out, all right, how can we fit these together? So maybe it's not being a, a full-time high school football coach or teacher. That's not really what he wanted, but let's find a, you know, let's reset the, the job expectation so that that enables you to have time to go out to practice and that sort of thing and, and to do something you really enjoy. Um, so I think that's really important as well as to, to, to have that, that right balance. Um, yeah. I always find that, you know, it, it, I've, I've dealt with a few um, ex-military guys and I'm finding them very interesting. In fact, I went to university uh, and, you know, six of us that lived in a house, I think two of them went into the military and then obviously made that transition out. One of them is an explorer now. He's super, mm-hmm. super, uh, super successful. It's called uh, Ed Stafford. He's on the TV. He's, he's, uh, he does very, very well for himself. Uh, the yes. other one uh, became a location manager for film and then had a great career there. You know, very similar sort of environment. And he understood, you know, they're both officers in, in, in the British Army. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, I've, I've certainly come across lots of people going into construction into project program management mm-hmm. where you know you're getting things done under you know really tight timescales because um, that seems to be part of the 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 you know the skill set if you like that is there mm-hmm. the transferable that sort of um, get things done mission orientated stuff yeah. um, it's it's interesting isn't it always the question around transferable skills as, as a headhunter I've always found that that actually f- through me, uh, client, you know, clients of mine are not so keen on um, somebody from outside of an industry making a transition. They, from me, because they're paying me a fee, they want somebody who's a very strong fit, um, mm. who's done the job before or the job uh, below this job before. Um, but actually, I find that the bar is set completely differently for somebody who comes in through a network, um, mm. through an introduction from somebody else. Um, that they know, like, and trust already. That has, um, you know, somebody, somebody, um, you know, I guess, uh, 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 sort of backing them up as somebody who is uh, worth speaking to. And then they, they set the bar much lower for the same role. It, it's great having that network and 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 talking to people. People don't always use and go to their network when these things happen. But you did, I take it. You, yeah. you, you actually you spoke with other people that maybe mentored you in the past and that type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't, um, I can't uh, overestimate or uh, oversell the, the importance of having a strong uh, and, and diverse network in multiple industries, because not only will it help you in, in the job search, but it's going to help you while you're in your job, you get these other perspectives and voices and that sort of thing. I always advise people to have, uh, especially new uh, grads and that sort of thing, to have a, um, like an informal board of advisors, people that mm. will hold you accountable. I, I was never had a lot of luck with finding a, a, a mentor because I have this really kind of weird um, career track, but uh, I've had multiple mentors, but not one who has like, oh, this is my go-to guy. So I've created my yeah. own through this um, informal uh, group. And that's been invaluable uh, to me that coupled with having the network and contacts and people that, you know, and it, it takes work, right? You have mm. to go out and you have to you know, be talking to people all the time um, to, to make sure that network is fresh because you don't, uh, you don't want to go and, you know, lean on them right when it's time, you know, when, at, when you need, when you're looking for a job and say, Hey, Tony, I just, you know, you know, 
because mm-hmm. of COVID, I, you know, I just lost my job. Can you help me out? And I haven't talked to you in three years, right? So it's, but it really doesn't work that way. It's kind of keeping that value and that sort of thing. And you'll find that you'll help other people too. I found that it's it's really fantastic um, type of thing. But um, yes, to the network piece, that was instrumental. Um, and so it's actually kind of funny when I left the military, I was in this kind of the, the first job right after the military is kind of the crappy job I was talking about. I was looking around. I reached out to um, uh, to a couple of different mentors. I got connected with um, with this guy named Terry, and he ended up hiring me at this management consulting firm. He said, hey, you'd be a perfect fit. You should come here. And just it was exactly what you laid out, right? It was like, hey, I'm, you know, um, this guy might not be a, a perfect fit, but he he will help us out. You know, mm. uh, he has some skills that we need here. And he was really an advocate for me in the company. Uh, not long after I started at that company, uh, Terry left. I'm like, well, great. You, you got me here. Now you're gone, you know, after like two or three months. Well, he went out and started his own company. Uh, we maintain contact. And now, um, so the, the company that Terry started, now that's where I work now. It's three gimbals is what he yep. started. And so he hired me again. So, <laughs> so yeah, I can't overestimate the, the, the value of a, of a good network. That, that is exactly how it works at times. But I, I, that thing where people, you know, perhaps they're, they're you know, been made redundant right now or they've lost a job for whatever reason through COVID. Um, and then they, they sort of, I, I feel that a lot of people going through that can often feel like, you know, there's been a, a you know a, a period in their career that they'd rather forget, or they 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 don't know how to deal with that, how to explain it. You know, things have not gone well for them, and sometimes they don't want to reach out to their network because they they're embarrassed about that. Um, but I, you know, I don't know how you feel. In fact, you you you've obviously uh, written a book about mistakes, if you like, um, and and I always think that people you know try and hide their mistakes or don't deal with them upfront, and and that causes a more uh, harm than it does them good. Um, tell me about your book and, and and how you know lessons from that might help people in this situation. Yeah, I, I think you're right about people wanting to. You know, it's embarrassing, right? I talk a little, mm. little bit about that in the book. That you know, we got this this whole feeling of when that um, you know when you're doing something wrong, just you get flush. You know, the, the physiological response, and then the embarrassment later on, and that sort of thing. And I've I sort of. Uh, got comfortable with that. I've kind of embraced it. I, I like to look back and say, what did I do last year? Then I look back and I'm like, Ooh, I shouldn't have done that. Right. Where I kind of have these cringe moments. That's when I know I'm growing because, um, because I'm trying something new and if it doesn't work out, well then that's great. If, it, if everything worked out perfect every time, it'd be pretty, pretty boring existence in, in, in my view. Um, I actually share a, a story in the book about one of those uh, mistakes that I made where I kind of thought I knew things were, were, were right and were working well. Um, and the short version is basically I had to go and brief this four-star general. He was on the, uh, the joint chiefs of staff and I talked to him about my program, about some of the funding that we were going to do. And I, I gave him a spreadsheet and what, you know, between, you know, Travis down here and the, the general up here, there's a lot of steps in between there that, that have to happen, a lot of coordination and that sort of thing. Um, so in all of that, you know, I have to keep up with this packet that goes through and the changes and that sort of thing. And I did the, the knowledge worker classic blunder of I didn't maintain good version control in the document. So the final document that went to the general in the meeting um, was, was not right. It was missing something out of there. And um, so I learned two lessons. One is, you know, obviously version control, but the second is don't give a senior leader a spreadsheet because they're, they're going to look at the numbers and mm. <laughs> that sort of thing. Just give them the, the overview. But anyway, um, yeah, I felt, terrible about that. But what I learned from that when I walked out of there is because 
I had a good relationship and I built the social capital with my, uh, my immediate boss who was there with me. Um, he's like, like, he knew that I, he knew, he knew that I wasn't stupid. He knew that, like, Hey, this just happens. Like, this is the thing. Mm. Were, was he upset? Yes, of course. He didn't yell at me or anything like that, but we we're both like, Oh man, I can't believe we did that. Right. And it was that sort of thing. But then it was like, that sucked. Now let's move on. Let's get it right. Let's get back in there. Let's figure it out sort of thing. So I think having, again, I, you know, I kind of go back to having those, that, that network, that tight network around mm. you that, um, will kind of reinforced you like you know for me it was you know hey Travis you know you're not stupid you, you know you screwed up sort of thing or you're capable of more you're having you know you just had a bad day that sort of thing this isn't doesn't define mm. who you are um sort of thing and, and I think that's true regardless of the of the scale of the mistake and, and that sort of thing I think people really look at your intentions and that sort of thing when I do hiring I I, I like to look back at that as well when I I'm very curious in the, in the career arc that you were talking about uh, that you referenced, right? It's like uh, in the previous role I was in, it's a management consulting firm, but we really focused on people. It was very much more, uh, it was very much a creative type uh, consulting company. So we have people, these very odd and different backgrounds, uh, people with a PhD in poetry to an undergrad in medieval history, right? And engineers, MBAs and everything in between. So we weren't looking for like, well, you had to go to this school and have the certification type of thing. It was just, we wanted to know more about the person. So the career arc was much more important then. It's like, all right, I see you studied, you know, you know, poetry for your undergrad. And then you went off and did this crazy job. And then none of like, talk to me about that. Like fill in the gaps on, on, on the resume. Cause you're obviously you're much more than that. Um, I always found that to be very interesting to find out uh, more about the person and how they would fit in talking about that story. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I love people's career narrative. It's why I always, you know, ask everybody on the, on the show to, mm-hmm. to explain this because they're not linear. You know, uh, there are some, you know, there occasionally somebody starts in one industry and just goes to the top in that industry. And, and, and generally speaking, you know, when you actually delve into the story, it's not, it's not sort of as, as, as linear and binary as, as, as all that, but actually, mm-hmm. Um, I find, you know, when I speak to people who have had uh, multiple careers or, um, you know, crazy changes in their in their career, they they some people struggle to to pin that together and make that make sense. And actually, it's something you have to work quite hard on. Like any good storyteller, you've got to work hard on your delivery of that story. But it but it can be done. And there are always sort of nuggets that 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 you know bind one piece to another quite often it's actually you know the growth of the individual because even even a mistake you know even a career move that goes wrong you've learned something from and you if you learn something about yourself and you communicate that to the interviewer that's a great big piece of information for them even if it's just you know i don't like doing this Mm-hmm. I much prefer to do that. That's an incredible piece for an interview because that's you know, ultimately what we're trying to do when we, we sit down and interview people is trying to get to the bottom of them and trying to work out who they are. And then we can work out what value that brings to us. Um, you know, so the, the, the sort of open, honest, uh, what's and all uh, accounts are actually um, really, really instructive. But I, th- I think sometimes people look to gloss over these situations, you know, even erase them from their CV. So I, I'm, I'm conscious that, uh, like you are, Travis, that, you know, mistakes are learning opportunities. We, you know, I've got two young children and we talk about, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, mindset of, of, of making mistakes and, and realizing that's just learning as yeah. opposed to trying to, uh, 
yeah, beat yourself up about these situations. So that I, I, that I think that's crucially important. And um, I think some of your the, the examples in your book uh, are, are really, really intuitive and helpful around that. Um, so yeah, look, Travis, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts and sharing your experiences. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I wish you well. Likewise, Tony. I had a great time. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Cheers, Travis. Take care. All the best. Thanks. Well, what a career Travis has had from military helicopter pilot and then into the commercial piloting world. And actually, that transition is an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, when you understand where you're going, uh, have a direction, you can really research the niche that you're operating in. It's quite a seamless thing to do. What was interesting later in Travis's career when he makes another transition and he doesn't know quite the direction he's heading in, that's when it becomes really much more difficult. So that's certainly something that uh, that, that came out of the interview. The other thing is that um, mistakes do happen in your career. And actually, as interviewers, people like me recognise that and they actually also understand it. So don't try and cover those up. Try to um, make the best out of them and describe the positives that have come out of those experiences, even if they're just that you realise that wasn't for you. Um, Again, that's insightful for an interviewer in terms of understanding you. If you're making a career move or indeed a career transition at the moment, there are some free resources on my website that you should take advantage of. At careermovesecrets.com, you will find a CV and resume masterclass, which is a new one, which will really help you get your resume in shape so that it works both online with applicant tracking systems and offline for people like me to read or indeed actually skim read. Um, There is also, of course, the job search masterclass on there, which will really help you understand how recruitment really works, uh, what your odds are when you apply online and the other methods that you could use in order to get into the hidden job market. And of course, if you're super serious about um, finding and landing your next job, consider my premium course, which actually, when I think about it, I don't mention very often, is actually uh, quite quite reasonably priced at the moment. It's half price. It's only $300. And um, I guess that's not life-changing money, but in terms of your career and your career move, it could be very much life-changing because um, the course will take you from right at the point of uh, the start of your job search right through to the end. It'll take you through the whole process of finding a job and doing that in a way that perhaps isn't just following the crowd. The second half of the course is all of the things I've learned over 20 years, the best tactics and strategies in terms of the interview process that will help you stand out from the crowd and outperform your competition. So definitely check that out too. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please do subscribe. Actually, you could do me an even bigger favor and you could uh, leave me a review on whatever platform you use, whether that's Apple Podcasts or um, or Spotify or whatever else. If you could leave me a review, I'd really, really appreciate that um, because there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon. 